Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. Thanks again for joining us this week. We are going to be talking to Laura Valencourt about being a caregiver. But before we get started, I just wanted to say thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for following us on social media. Thanks for any comments or suggestions. I just appreciate that all of you take the time to spend some time with us here on the podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Cush. I'm a licensed professional counselor, and I'm also the owner of Progression Counseling in Annapolis, Maryland. You can follow us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at Woman Warriors. We're also on Facebook at Woman Warriors and on Pinterest. Under my Progression Counseling page, there is a board for Woman Warriors podcast episodes. So we're going to be talking to Laura, who is the owner of Elder Care Counseling and Guidance Services Consulting, where she provides coaching, counseling, and care management services. I know lots of women are caregivers. They tend to be the caregivers just anyway in families, but... uh, Oftentimes, they're the ones taking care of elders. So we're going to talk to her about that and why it can be difficult and ways maybe that we can better manage being caregivers. Let's get started. Hi, Laura, and welcome to the Woman Warriors podcast. Hi, well, thank you for having me. I'm really thrilled to be on your podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. I am excited that this worked out and excited for you that you'll be launching a podcast at some point in the future as well. But uh, I wondered if you wouldn't mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself and the work you do and you know what inspired you in, to get into that field. Oh, I'd love to share. Yes. So I am a licensed mental health counselor and a geriatric mental health specialist. Really, my first love is working with family caregivers who are caring for someone that has dementia. And so um, through the years, you know, I've worked in nursing homes and hospitals and skilled nursing facilities. And, and about, oh gosh, about eight years ago, I launched my own private business uh, providing counseling and geriatric care management and consulting to families. And so um, really what my role began to look like is as more of a guide Mm. to families in um, navigating the aging world and caring for their loved ones. And I just found that people, you know, when you're in a hospital or a, a skilled nursing facility, you have a social worker and you have a team there that if they're doing their job, you know, they're guiding you through the steps and explaining the process. Yeah. But when people go home, they're just, they're lost. And um, they're getting advice from all these well-meaning people. 
but they really uh, often just, they just want to do the right thing, but they don't know what it is. And um, when you have your own emotional experience happening along with navigating sometimes these complicated, um, you know, areas in the medical field uh, or even financial field and legal field and, you know, everything that can come with, yeah. with caring for someone. Yeah. So this, this work has just really, um, really taken off. I think there's a huge, huge need in our communities uh, mm. to have this sort of consulting or guidance. And um, yeah. yeah, my mother-in-law recently passed, but, and, you know, being the, the, not the, a family, direct family member, I wasn't really in the loop with all, I mean, I wasn't actively participating, but there was a lot of decision making around, you know, she was at home, one of the kids was taking care of her, it was really hard on them. And then when it was time to move her to a facility where she could get more round the clock care, it was just so hard to figure it out. And the, it was stressful. And oh, I just, I wish I'd had you in our lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, I just want to validate that for you. Often people, um, sometimes they, they think that because they don't live close, or because they're not living with their um, family member, you know, maybe their loved one is in a facility, or it's a sibling that's living with them, or it's caregivers that are being hired. The reality is that no matter what role you are playing in that system, um, it, it still has an impact. You know, mm. everybody is experiencing things in their own way. And the other piece is that it's it's a change in your relationship with that person. Yes. Um, you know, whether you're a daughter or whether you're an in-law or whether you're a, a spouse, suddenly the whole dynamic really shifts and um, and you are not only mourning the, the health uh, situation or circumstances that are going on, but you're also mourning the change of that relationship that you had. Oh, yeah, so definitely. There's just, yeah, just layers that can really have an impact. Yeah, and, and you know, my mother-in-law didn't have dementia, uh, you know, may, I mean, I, maybe early signs of, of, of just old age type dementia, but not Alzheimer's. But um, I would imagine that having someone, you know, your, a parent, whoever it is that you have to care for, who does have dementia, like that adds a whole nother level of, well, stress, but also care. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what I hear the most from families is, I just want to do the right thing. And I don't know what that looks like. Right. Um, and so yeah, there's, there's so many layers, like I said, um, a huge part is um, the importance of educating mm -hmm. and being knowledgeable about the diagnosis. Yeah, uh, whether it's whether it's a type of dementia, because there's several types of dementia out there, mm -hmm. or it's something else um, that is, you know, uh, causing the need for care. Educating yourself can be so important because it can explain so many things. I mean, sometimes there are some challenges with uh, with the mood, you know, if someone is oh, yeah. feeling down or depressed or anxious, 
um, or if there's maybe some challenging behaviors that occur mm. or a focus or a fixation on certain things, understanding the diagnosis can really help uh, the caregiver um, understand sometimes what's happening with the brain, sometimes what's happening with um, the coping mechanisms of the, the person who's experiencing that. But just, yeah, education is always key. And a huge part of my work, although I, you know, call myself kind of a guide mm-hmm. or a consultant, really a huge part of my work is educating. Um, because of what I find is when people are informed and they're educated, they can re- then they can make the right decisions for their family, you know, based on their unique family's culture or, you know, belief system or situation. They, they will know the right choices to make, but they need to be informed. Yeah. So that's that's really the the I think the core of what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would imagine that makes such a big difference to know yeah, if one about the diagnoses, but two just yeah, mm-hmm. what does this look like going forward? All of that. Mm-hmm. Now, including, you know, really not having the knowledge, what are some of the other stressors that caregivers might encounter in this part of their their lives, you know, as being caregivers? Yeah, yeah that's a great question. Because I think it, it can hit people off guard. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they, they may go into a situation thinking, okay, I've got this, you know, I'm going to take care of myself, I'm going to have these resources, I'm going <laughs> to do these things. And then what often happens is you, you just, you, you get so um, engulfed in the the day to day that you be you forget to lose sight of the bigger picture. You know, you, you yeah. start to just have it's just survival, really. So what I often hear is that um, almost always across the board is that people feel isolated. Mm. Um, they they feel isolated in so many ways. Um, they feel isolated from the person that they're caring for because, again, that relationship dynamic is shifting and changing. Yeah. Um, they feel isolated from their friends or family members even because you, unless you're in it and experiencing it, it's very hard to feel connected yeah. with others. So, and, you know, they feel isolated from themselves. Uh, I often hear people tell me, I don't even know who I am anymore, or I've forgotten what it's like to be Mm. just me and not have this role. So that's, I think that is really central and core to um, the, the theme of being a caregiver is we want to support people and and not feeling isolated, remembering who they are and remembering to tap into themselves and learning how to access uh, outside support and recognizing that they can't do this all, you know, on their own. Yeah. And I would bet that thinking about how life changing that can be, even if even if the person you're caring for is now in a facility, like the loss, as you said before, like the grieving what the relationship was, but also just grieving what you had that is no longer Yes, I, I, that's such a good point because I think that gets lost. Yeah, the busyness of putting together the pieces and the planning, all these practical things that kind of come to the surface, and and our medical field really emphasizes that too. You, you know, these this is the plan, and this mm. is the diagnosis, and this is 
where you're going to move and this is the money situation. And we really forget that this deep, you know, deep within, this is a life changing occurrence. And um, this is an opportunity for growth and self reflection. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's opportunity to really honor this stage in life. Um, and you know, while for some people, this could be a very long stage, it can go on for years and years for others, it's very short. And, um, so paying attention to your inner experience, if possible, really setting aside to be really mindful about what is happening and, and just, you know, just having that moment, uh, uh, or many small moments of that self-reflection, I think is just really important. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine, too, that, well, when the time comes, if the time comes where more managed care has to, you know, whether they're, you're going to a facility or you're bringing people in, that there's some guilt there, too, like I, that I can't do yeah. this anymore, that it's, yeah, yeah. that it's, it's too so, much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that I hear that so much. And, and people experience that. I think I think especially for women. Yeah. Um, you know, in our culture and society, we we are there's this sort of amusing quotes expectation that yes. we are able to handle it all. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yeah, and um, we put this burden really upon ourselves, but but that is from our greater culture and society that does that to us too. And sometimes we project also how you know we. We may have, caregivers may have this ideal image of how they would like it to go. You know, mm-hmm. whether that's, I'm going to move mom in and I'm going to take care of her till the day she dies or, or I'm going to find the best possible care for her and it's going to look like this. Yeah. Well, the reality is we, we know life doesn't always, you know, go as planned. <laughs> no. And so, um, you know, it's just... I, I think the best advice that I could give is is to be gentle with yourself. Um, be just be gentle with yourself. Sometimes we have to take it day by day. Sometimes it's moment by moment. Mm. And um, but really, uh, the the guilt piece. I read this book when I was in undergrad school uh-huh. by an author. I, her name is Stephanie Kuntz. She she um, is faculty at the Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington. She wrote a book called More Work for Mother. Huh. No. And it was a, she's a sociology professor. It was a fascinating book because it talked about as uh, as our, you know, culture progressed and and new innovations became um, available to us like washing machines and, you know, dishwashers yeah. and <laughs> Right, right. How, the how conveniences. Mm-hmm. The conveniences, yeah. Um the, the, what the book is really about is how we are taught to believe that these are conveniences um, created to make life easier for the tasks of women. Yeah. But the reality is, is it really just compounded the expectation even more that mm. not only are women still, um, again, this is all in quotes, expected to you know do the laundry and do the cooking and the cleaning and the caring for the children, but now also work full-time jobs and now also care for our aging mm. um, parents or family members. And the reality is that this is just 
it's not sustainable and it's not um, realistic. Yeah. Uh, whether you are superwoman or not, you need help. You mm. know that that saying "it takes a village" is is absolutely true. And so, one of the things that I often encourage um, my clients to do is start thinking about how to build your support team. Mm. And um, and your support team can look like, on one hand, all the professionals. You know, you have a great doctor, you have a great elder law attorney, or you have a great financial planner. Or, but then also on the more personal side, your support team of, you know, who do you feel safe in expressing your needs and feelings to, and that can look very different for everyone. Sometimes you have a person that, that person to you is just. The, the person you have fun with that you you don't want to talk about your stuff going on but you can you know sure check out with them and that's important medicine right <laughs> <you know>? right right <laughs> and then there's the other friend that you can really just you know maybe vent to or dump on mm-hmm. um but just getting a real uh, taking a real stock of who are the people in your life and really you know if you were to write every name down what what do each individual give you, you know, how are they feeding you mm. when you need that? Yeah. I think that that's important to, to do. Oh, definitely. Well, and I'm just thinking about just other, you know, some of the clients that I've seen over the years, but also, um, yeah, just knowing that sometimes relationships, if you're taking care of a parent, maybe that relationship wasn't that great to begin with. And now here you are needing to be the caregiver. And again, these expectations that, you know, it's all good, we're going to forgive and forget, we're going to love them no matter what, which hopefully, you know, you can get to that point, but maybe not, right? And now here you are. And so there might be some anger and frustration that here I am now caring for you. Yes, I, I think I have been most surprised by how many um, people that I have met over the years that are in that exact position. Yeah. Where there's someone that I, you know, I'm working with um, someone now who hasn't spoken to their mother in like over 20 years mm-hmm. and now is the, her primary caregiver. You know, there was a situation that occurred and she, there was no one else. Wow. Um, I have, I mean, this, this comes up more often than I would have expected. Yeah. And I, and I think that that is a very unique um, position to be in um, because there isn't, there's a lot of unfinished business. Right. You know, a lot of right. stuff that hasn't been able to be said or worked out. And now often the older person is not capable of having the insight or the, the ability to really work through in a way that a person might hope. Yeah. Um, and what an opportunity, right, for self-growth. This, I, I can only imagine what that would be like, um, yeah. being in someone's shoes in that position and to um, step into that role. Yeah. So just as important as with anyone else, it, it's so important to really be clear about um, what your boundaries are mm-hmm. and where you need to access outside help and guidance, and um, again, the, the importance of self-care. Oh yeah, because the the layers of of unfinished sort of um, stuff that can come up. Oh my gosh, so much yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. 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 
And, you know, uh, caregiving, I, and I'm, I have not myself had to take care of my, you know, my dad passed, but he had a, his wife was able to take care of him. And my mom is still active and doing her thing and is in good shape. But for a period of time, my, like my husband had his knee replaced. And so uh, I was his caregiver during <laughs> that time. And I can remember being like, oh my gosh, like I, I feel like I just have to get out of here. You know, like I felt <laughs> stuck in the house um, and yeah. very, you know, he needed me, which, and it, I knew it would pass. And so there was that. But I would imagine if you, it could very easily lead to feeling burned out, feeling like, yeah, that there's just no end in sight. Yes. And often, you know, in a position of, of caring for an older or aging person, it does feel like that it, because, oh boy, the guilt that I really hear from families a lot is I can't wait for my mom or my dad or my spouse to die. Mm-hmm. And, and that can, you know, you can imagine to, to get to the place where you're feeling that and then the layer of guilt that, you know, follows. Oh, Yeah. Um, it really just speaks to the desperation to have to, to know that it's gonna end. That and it and it isn't that to know that your loved one will die. I, I try to reframe that. It's that this level of stress will end. Yes. Um, that, that, yes. that period, yeah, of stress in your life, that there will be a change. And and the reality is, is there it will right. Nothing it will last forever, and things shift and change, and and things end as well. Yeah, but yeah. I think I think the most important thing in those situations is to um, and believe me, this is so easy for me to sit here and say. <laughs> I I get it. When you're living it, it is totally you know different. Yeah. Um. And and what can be so helpful is to just be conscious, right? To to not just fall into this rhythm where you're not even thinking about uh, yourself anymore, but yeah. to be really conscious about um, your self-care. And self-care can look like so many things. It can be really small things, like every time you go to the bathroom, you know, take a moment, shut the door, turn the light off, and just take a deep breath. I yes. mean, it, it can just be as simple as that. Absolutely. To, and to something bigger, like, you know, having someone come stay the night at the house so that you get a chance to go away. Even if you just go sleep somewhere, you know, it doesn't, yeah. you don't have to be entertained. Uh, yeah. But taking those moments um, can be huge. And building them in, like the example of the bathroom, building it into a habit that you already do every day, um, is really helpful too, because then you're not having to stop a routine or um, make more time that you don't really have. Right. Uh, if you can build it into when you're cooking or when you're cleaning to pop in a podcast, <laughs> or, you know, just do something kind for yourself. Yeah. Is, is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to music that you love or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I, a, I was going to add too. I, yeah. I like to think about um, the concept of creating a care plan for yourself. Oh, wow. Uh, That's such a know, great idea. Yeah, we do this for our patients all the time. But uh, to really think about, 
your yourself as how if you were caring for yourself or if you had someone else caring for you, what would they need to know about you? What would they need to know that really helps bring you down when you feel like you're in a crisis moment or or what are the small things that you could be doing daily to, you know, maintain some semblance of of peace and insanity sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and I know for some women, because there are these quote unquote expectations about how much we can take on, how much we should be doing, uh, there can be a lot of anxiety around asking for help. Yes. And I'm just wondering if you have any tips about how to make that easier for people or yeah, just, just, I don't know. That's a, that's a great question. Um, I think that that's something that just women in general struggle with. We we aren't really taught how to ask for help. No, we're not. (laughs) So, you know, the one thing that I hear a lot is that, that, that we don't even know what to ask for. Mm. Um, So it's not, it's not always, we don't know how to ask for help. It's that we don't know what to ask for. Mm-hmm. So caregivers will say this a lot to me. And so we'll, we'll sit sometimes together and I'll, I'll start the ball rolling by saying, well, you know, what would it be like if someone made dinner once a week for, yeah. you know, for you and your loved one, or if someone took your loved one out anywhere for just an hour uh, a week, or, you know, we just start brainstorming those ideas and really then then it can the the juices start flowing Mm. um but the other the other big piece that you mentioned is asking for it and so i always encourage families and this may seem so simple uh but sometimes it's the simple things that can make such a difference and Mm -hmm. so if you have a support team you know if your listeners have people that they can talk to or family members that are involved I, I say get the calendar out and just encourage every person involved to pick a day. Yeah. And, um, and it doesn't even matter what they are committing to do, whether that's make dinner or go on an outing or whatever it is. I think that what was the most helpful for our caregivers is to have time away. Yeah. Um, it may not even be the tasks. It may not even be, I need someone to clean my house or cook dinner. It's just having time uh, away. And, yeah. and we have a hard time asking for that. Yeah, because uh, it feels selfish yeah. or something. Like right. I, It's like I can just feel the stress of having to say, like, I, I just don't want to be here for a while. <laughs> yes. I need a nap. Right. <laughs> or, or I need to just go sit in a coffee shop and zone out for a couple hours or. Yeah. Um, yeah. And mm. so, so again, you don't even have to tell uh, the, the people or who, you know, whoever's coming and what you're doing. You just need that time. Yeah. Um, and that can be really helpful for some people. Uh, you know, I've, I've met with some caregivers that really miss having their home to themselves. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, know, you know how it is when it's just you and no one else and yes. you can just be in your space. Um, so taking the loved one out can be really important. And for others, it's they need to get out of the house because they're there all the time. And so being able to leave mm-hmm. and not have to worry about things. Um, but I think I think the most important thing is really reframing you know, what it is to be asking for help. And maybe you don't call it asking for help. Maybe you call it 
um, you know, again, creating a care plan for your loved one. And you can't manage everything on that care plan. You, yeah. you can't be the sole provider. And you aren't. Again, they have a doctor, they have, you know, other practitioners that are working with them. And so just reframing your role so that you are not the sole and only um, provider for this person's care. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest with you, the person that's receiving the care it's really beneficial for them to have someone else in their life too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, may, they may get tired of seeing you 24 hours a day. As well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So if there were like tips or resources that you felt would be important for the listeners to know about in terms of, you know, getting the support you need or whatever, just being a caregiver, is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah. Well, there's some uh, practical resources, you know, that I that I'll share, but then also just that that sort of internal piece of um, be gentle with yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. you you're not an expert at this. No one is. Nobody plans for to become a caregiver. We're often just kind of thrown into it. And so so the more gentle you can be with yourself through this process, because you'll be an expert by the end (laughs) (laughs) when when you won't need to do it anymore. But uh, but during the process. Yeah. And and reach out to others. I mean, there are some fabulous support groups, um, online avenues. um, Yeah. Yeah. And as far as professional resources, you know, every community has their own, um, but sort of a national um, one that you can reach out to would be uh, every community has their own area agency on aging. Yes. Sometimes they call it something different, but um, they have a family caregiver support program or some version of that in your community. And that little, you know, branch uh, under the umbrella of area agency on aging you as the caregiver would be the client. And mm-hmm. so they often have support groups and education groups and workshops. And um, in my community, I think most communities, they'll offer counseling to the caregiver. And nice. um, sometimes they'll offer respite. So they'll have, you know, four hours a week. They'll pay for someone to come in to give you a break. Mm. Um, so reaching out, you know, and, and tapping into some of that could be really helpful. Yeah, And then I, I might just take a moment and plug um, a yeah. colleague of mine in Florida. She's a psychologist and I'm in Washington state. So we're on opposite ends of the country. We are hosting a, an online um, dementia caregiver summit. Yeah. And so that's going to be on November 11th awesome. through the uh, 22nd, but it's going to be up for a month. And so We've recruited um, professionals and um, doctors and all kinds of amazing people across the country, and they will be um, giving talks on really our focus is the caregiver and self-care and how do you get through this? And, you know, here's some support and here's some tips and here's some guidance. So it's, it's a free event. Well, definitely, I will include the link to that if you send it to me in the show sure. notes so people can find that. That mm-hmm. sounds great. And then how do how do people find you? Well, I have um, an online practice. And so um, they can find me at Laura V, V as in Victor. So it's lauravcoaching.com. 
And I do um, consultations for folks across the country and, again, just navigating and, and um, helping them come up with a plan and uh, whether that's a support plan or a practical plan. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, I'm more than happy. People can just schedule with me on my, through my website. It's pretty easy. Awesome. 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 Yeah. I will also include that in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for spending time with us today. I just, I know, yeah, that this is, my sister and I talk a lot about it in terms of my mom aging and, you know, how, what's that going to look like? Because my sister's on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast, my brothers are yeah. scattered, you know, and yeah. it's like, oh, man, it is going to be, it's hard. It's hard. It is. And you're and you're right. Uh, the, our our uh, society looks so different. People are scattered, and yes. so learning how to meet the needs of of our family members from a distance is just huge. Yeah, yeah. Mm, so huge. Well, thanks again for being a part of the podcast, and um, you know, I look forward to when your podcast is up too. Oh, thank you. I I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it, I do have a name for it. It's, okay. We're going to call it Life on Repeat. Oh, wow. Yes, for dementia caregivers. Yeah. 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 Nice. All right. Well, we will look forward to, to checking that out when you, when you get it up. Great. Well, All thank right. you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. <laughs> this is great. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Laura, uh, caregiving can be a very hard job. But I think as she pointed out, you know, if you have in place people you can turn to for support, but also for help, uh, and and making care for yourself a part of the care plan for the person you're taking care of. Because, you know, I think there are so many metaphors for this, but if you are running on empty, it's pretty hard to go the distance if you don't have the energy for yourself, if you are not energized, if you're not nourished. And I know uh, it takes a lot. It takes a lot out of you. And it's really important that the self-care piece is also a priority. Well, I hope if you are a caregiver, that you are taking care of yourself this week. And even if you're not a caregiver, take care of yourself this week. It's important. We need it. We forget about it sometimes as women. You know, those expectations of how much we should be doing, holding on to, carrying. Maybe put some of that down. Maybe make the priority you this week. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to The Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.